When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. He has a no clause for the first five years of the deal and then, uh, you know, kind of a limited no-move clause for the last couple years of the deal. You can text us at 630-630. This portion of the show is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Of course. Milan Lucic saying this earlier today. You know, I can tell you from an opponent standpoint, you 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 were never, you were never, uh, you know, scared or intimidated heading into a game against the Oilers. So, uh, I I think uh, I think that's something that we all have to change as a group. I don't think it's just comes to to one or two guys. I think it's as a group we have to change that, and uh, we need to start. You know, we need to send a message uh, right from the first puck drop. And that first puck drop is going to be against the Calgary Flames this season, which means, I assume, Milan Lucic will head up to the press box, grab Flat Steinberg by the collar, and teach him a thing or two. Pat, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? It's a pleasure. The, the, the things that I've said about Milan Lucic on these airwaves down here, just savage, savage things. <laughs> he, has, he has no reason to, to tune me in. I've been very, very kind to, to Milan Lucic. I, I mean... I think it's. Uh, I think they're going to be better next year. I think the Oilers look like a better team, and the Pacific Division, aside from those uh, guys out in Vancouver, the Pacific Division seems like it's on the up and up. And uh, I'm I'm excited for the coming year. And Lucic coming to Edmonton's a big part of that. No, but but tell me why you believe the Oilers are going to be better because you have no. Uh... You have no really vested, well, other than we both want the rivalry to mean a little more, you have no vested interest in this team improving. Um, I think people in your market probably think the Oilers got fleeced in the Taylor Hall trade, and maybe they did. We'll see. So tell us why now you think um, the Oilers are going to be a better team. Besides the obvious answer, there's nowhere to go but up. Well, and, and, and I won't lie, part of it is that, but... A few different reasons. I think I think having Cam Talbot in for uh, an entire year as a number one, and, and basically what was it, December first on or December fifteenth on or whatever the date was, fifteen crazy uh, save percentage that Talbot was able to post. So I think having Cam Talbot locked in as a number one to start the year is good. I like that acquisition of of Gustafson today. I think that is a a, a real. I, I think that that kind of solidifies a, a, a solid position now in between the pipes. 
Uh, I think having a healthy Oscar Clefbaum to start the season, you add in Adam Larson, who knows if they do anything else on the blue line here before free agency uh, kind of comes to an end. Uh, I, I think that there's there's some additions there, and the blue line's going to be a little bit better. And, and look, I, I, I really was surprised, I won't lie, we were surprised down here. We were on the air while it was happening when, when Hall went straight up for Larson. But with Lucic coming in and, and year two for McDavid and hopefully a full season for McDavid and, you know, the prospect of Lucic, McDavid and Everly on a line and, and, and Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl year, full year two in the NHL. I just, I think that with, with steps forward, with some of the additions that have been made here in the last little bit, uh, and we're not even talking about Jesse Pugliarvi and, and, and him stepping into the lineup right away. I mean, the Oilers are going to be a better team. And I think that, uh, there's there's some reasons to be optimistic, and I'm I'm hoping that that and we had a couple of good Battle of Alberta games this year. Nothing, you know, nothing to, to yeah. But they were back they were for twenty seventh at the time, though. Exactly. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping that we're talking about you know even if we're not talking about for first in the division, maybe they can be maybe they can be games where each team is within five or six points of a of a wild card spot or something like that. That's what I'm hoping for. So I think the Oilers are going to be a better team this year. All right, uh, the Calgary Flames. Let's start with the goaltending because they uh, traded for Elliott and they signed former Cincinnati Bengal Chad Johnson. Oh, sorry. They signed backup goalie Chad Johnson today. Uh, but seriously, I mean, the goaltending two years ago for the Flames was the... Let me let me start over again. Sorry, Pat. I keep, I keep rethinking my thoughts as I go along. <laughs> the, the goaltending for the Flames has been a big story two years in a row for completely opposite reasons. Uh, Elliot Johnson, I, I certainly think this is going to be a good tandem. I know Stoffer was kind of hoping the Oilers would get Johnson. I wouldn't have minded if the Oilers got Carter Hutton, but he went to the uh, the St. Louis Blues. But I, I imagine people in your market have calmed down about the goaltending a bit. Wow. Maybe a lot. I mean, goaltending was, and I don't blame you for rethinking. I know that I make you nervous. Uh, goaltending was the absolute worst position on this team last year. It wasn't even close. And it was the worst position, the worst goaltenders in the league last year were, were wearing Flames jersey. I mean, Calgary had the league's worst goaltenders. They had a, the only team with a save percentage sub-900 last year. Their save percentage in Stockton, the American League, was sub-900. The goaltending was horrid in this organization last year. So, not bringing back Ramo, there was no chance Hiller was even going to get a sniff of another contract. Not qualifying Yoni Ordeo on Monday, they said, "You know what? It was awful. We we bungled up by having three goaltenders to start the season, and we are just doing a clean break." So Ramo doesn't come back as a UFA. Ordeo's a UFA now after not being qualified. He's gone, and Hiller's back in Switzerland. So what do they do? Well, they address a number one goaltender, and and they give up a second round pick and a conditional third round pick to bring in Brian Elliott one week ago. Well, we were in Buffalo and and that seems like a really solid uh solid price to pay and then they go out and they acquire Chad Johnson on a one-year low-risk deal at 1.7 million dollars and both these guys had a really really solid seasons of limited work last year uh Elliott made 38 regular season starts and then was their guy in the postseason, save for a couple of Jake Allen starts. And, and Chad Johnson made 40 starts last year for the Buffalo Sabres. And these guys come in hungry, looking to prove something, looking to prove that you know they, they deserve more of an opportunity. And I think that's a good thing for this team. And so I, I, I look at the goaltending scenario for the Calgary Flames now as worlds better than what it was last year. And here's, here's maybe the most telling thing of all, Reader, is that Last year, the Flames with Hiller, Ordeo, and Ramo 
had a cap hit of about $9 million, one of the highest in the NHL, and had the worst goaltending in the league. Now, with Elliott at 2.5 and Johnson at 1.7, their cap hit combined is $4.2 million, so less than half of what they were paying last year. That allowed them to go out and sign Troy Brower in free agency. That allows them to do that and, and still have plenty of flexibility to still sign Monaghan and Goodrow to their contract extensions. So the, the goaltending position goes from being what was the Achilles heel downfall worst position on the team last year to salary cap-wise being their strongest and, and most beneficial position. And on the ice could be one of their strongest positions if, if Elliott specifically can continue the good work he's done in St. Louis the last three years. Pat Steinberg joining us from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. He's the host of the Flames radio broadcast on that very station. Tell me a little bit about uh, Troy Brower, where he, uh, where he fits into the lineup, what you think of the contract. Okay, on the contract, I think in free agency, as as you well know, in in free agency, you have to pay a premium and you sometimes have to go a little bit longer in term than you would like. So I think the ideal contract for Troy Brower probably would have been three years, $12 million. Knowing the age he's at, he's turning 31 mid-August. He's accomplished lots in the NHL. He's a perennial, not a perennial 20-goal scorer, but he's done it three times. He's flirted with it every year over the last six years. So talking about a guy who you can count on for being in the 20 goal range every single year to to pay that guy four million dollars a year sounds about right so they bump it up to 4.5 i think three years uh considering he'll be 31 to start the season that sounds about right well to get him in free agency without having to give up any assets they had to go the extra year i'm sure that the oilers ideally would have liked to have lucic on a five-year deal as opposed to a seven-year deal but again to bring somebody in for free you got to add a little bit and you got to sweeten the pot. So the Flames did that with Brower. And, and so I don't mind the contract. And in, in terms of some of the UFA reaches and UFA overpays we've seen in the past, uh, seeing Brower uh, come in at four years, $18 million isn't crazy to me. And then the, the fit, I like it. This team is extremely thin depth wise on the wing. Brower comes in and gives them a little bit of size on the wing. He he certainly gives them some pedigree. He's won a Stanley Cup. He was in a Western Conference final this year. He he can still play. And I think that he he gives them a little scoring touch off the wing. I don't know if he's immediately going to be plugged in with uh, with Monaghan and Gaudreau on the top line. It sounds like that's kind of the plan right now, but they needed help on the wing and with Brower and Alex Chason, who they uh, who they acquired on Monday from the Ottawa Senators, uh, signed him to a one-year $800,000 deal, helps him on the wing like that. And, and with Frolik, Brower, Chason, all of a sudden, the right side is worlds better than it was last year. I'm not, still, I'm not saying it's all world NHL-wise, but worlds better than what the Flames had last year. And you know, yeah, with Goudreau on the left side and, and some kind of makeshift wingers on the other side, if they're going to keep Bennett at the wing, I'm not sure. But they, they certainly have shored that up a little bit. So I like the fit for Brower, and I think that he'll be, uh, he'll be a nice fit, certainly in the immediacy with the Calgary Flames. What he is towards the end of his contract, nobody really knows. But four years, that's not, uh, that's not crazy if you ask me. All right, what are Goudreau and Monaghan going to get paid here? Well, when I was when I was thinking about it on Twitter, uh, and when I was kind of spitballing on Twitter, uh, I, I estimated around fourteen million dollars, and and that was kind of a conservative estimate. Fourteen million would be if you are kind of going seven point five million dollars for uh, on an annual average annual value mm-hmm. for Gaudreau, and six point five if you're doing the same 
for Monahan. I think it might be a little bit lower than that. I think you might be able to get it down to seven and six, so we might be talking about thirteen million dollars overall. Yep. But in the end, I think you're probably thirteen, fourteen million dollars. Tarasenko's contract still seems like the best comparable for Goudreau. And you take a look at what Forsberg signed and Monaghan's numbers and Forsberg's numbers about the same. I could see Monaghan in the six, six and a half range. I think that's what it's going to come in at. The Flames could get it lower than that. If they could get it between 12 and 13, I think that would be a home run for this group. But again, uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily in the cards. So uh, I think that's what we're going to be talking about. Brad Trilling told us today, nothing imminent. Uh, no reason to spoil your Canada Day weekend or anything with, with news on that. But I don't think there's any worry that these two guys are going to get signed long-term. Edmonton and Calgary played five games last season. On October 17th, Edmonton controlled the game 1-5-2 in Calgary. Entertaining game on October 31st, which perhaps was an early indication of both teams' weaknesses. Pat, Flames got an early lead. The Oilers rallied. Then Cam Talbot let in a horrible goal from behind the net, and Calgary won 5-4. Uh, Calgary won 5-3 on December 27th. For some reason, Pat, I don't remember much about that game. The Oilers won 2-1 in a shootout on Saturday, January 16th, which I believe the Oilers um, controlled most of the play and finally got a Mark Fain goal in the third period. And then obviously the last battle of Alberta at Rexall Place, the Flames wiped the floor with the Oilers winning 5 nothing. So there, there were a couple entertaining games in there that were kind of battle-ish. I'll give you that. And maybe this year, maybe it won't be just for... Because that final game at Rexall Place, as disappointed as we all were, I was like, man, this is awesome. Because like, I got to do color on that game for our broadcast because our color guy, Peter Labardius, was out ill. So I was like, man, I get to be in the building for the final battle of Alberta at Rexall Place. This is awesome. Building was jacked. Oilers played well in the first period, and then it, it went to hell from there. And you're right, <laughs> that was not the most entertaining of games. But I, I think with the way these teams are trending... I do I do hope for, and I don't think it's complete blind hope, that maybe these guys can be playing in some competitive and meaningful hockey games this season. And unfortunately, because of the schedule rotation, they only play four times this season, I know. not five. Strange? I don't see. I think with the regional rivals, they should skip that and just say you always play them five times. I mean, you know, it's one game out of 82. So what if they got to play an extra game against each other? Uh, Pat, happy Canada Day. I know you're trying to enjoy your Canada Day evening. You don't have to work tonight. So thanks for uh, coming on Inside Sports. It's going to be a fun start. And uh, Stamps play tonight, right? Yeah, Stamps uh, get going at the top of the hour at home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, I was thinking of going, but we did a marathon show this afternoon for free agency. And I'm like, you know what? I'll watch it on TV, and I'll spend my night with Reed Wilkins on the phone. What could be better than that? Nothing. Thanks, Pat. Bye, buddy. <laughs> That's Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network in Calgary. Always good to catch up with him. Uh, catch up with him. I, I hope, I really do hope it's a better, better battle of order. And some people got mad at me. But I said, you know what? I hope when before the draft lottery, I said whatever. I hope the Flames win the draft lottery. I hope they get Matthews and the Oilers have McDavid, and these teams can start ramping it up. I know Calgary's been been better than the Oilers in recent years. They actually got into the playoffs, but but overall, I mean, we're talking a lot of seasons where these teams haven't been contenders. I would I would like that to change. Obviously, I'm always going to hope for the Oilers to beat the Flames, but it would be great if those games really meant something and were heated and something legitimate was on the line. It's 7.20 inside sports on 6.30 Chet. Still ahead, a one-on-one interview, Bob Stoffer with Peter Shirelli 
also one-on-one, Bob Stoffer with Milan Lucic, and Daryl Evans from the LA Kings broadcast booth about Lucic's last season with the Kings. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Oh, Kellen Kennedy, look at you mix the tunes tonight. Oh, by the way, we had a little complaint. It's the top of the 7 o'clock hour, it is a uh, Motley Crue song. The right. top hour intros are, are pre-produced. Yeah, those are... always play. We don't pick those songs. Yeah. We have a song by uh, Airborne. I think they're Australian, right at yeah. the top of the show. Yeah. And then well, we have Motley Crue at 7 and uh, Hinder at 8. Yeah. So those two bands are American. So yeah. we apologize. All the songs we can select... Exactly. Our Canadian content mm-hmm. that you are selecting. That. Yeah. Did you see some of your requests? I do, yeah, line? and that was actually a request. Uh, Gord sent that in, so there you go, Gord. All you right. are taking care of business on a Friday night. That's outstanding. Oilers were taking care of business today. Big time. Here's what Peter Shirelli had to say. Well, we've improved our team significantly. We've added uh, what I uh, assess as a top defense, and regardless, I mean, he's he's going to be he's going to be a two at some point, uh, Larson. We've added uh, Milan Lucic, um, who is going to help uh, lead this team. He's going to play a physical style of hockey. He's going to score. He's got a really nice set of hands. So, I, uh, you know, we've lost a good player, very good player in Taylor, and who was a, a real significant part of this team. But I, you know, I feel that we've Improved by this the style of player that we've brought in and uh, and our approach to the game. So the, I think that's a pretty good summary of why Peter Shirelli has done what he's done. You may not agree with it. I'm guessing many of you don't. And his first sentence in that saying that we have improved the team significantly, quite frankly, I don't think I agree with that. I guess I'll see. We'll see what else happens this summer. I don't know if the team has improved significantly. But I certainly think, like he says at the end, the team is different. It has a different composition. Will that I think he feels that equals improvement. I'll have to see it to believe it. Certainly the team needs a different composition. There's no doubt about that because what has been on the ice for the last few years, the mixture of those players, that formula hasn't equaled much by the end of the season. But Peter Shirelli feels the changes in composition do equal significant improvement. Again, potentially. I I, I just can't go right out on the limb and say that, uh, yes, they're going to be way better. It's always an exciting time of year because things change and you always hope for the best from the players who are brought in. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Inside Sports continues after the news. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. What do we have here, Kellen Kennedy? A little prism for Graham. Prism by request. Nice. Tech 630-630. You've got about an hour to get your request in. Kellen Kennedy, all CanCon tonight, coming back from commercials. All right. Beauty. B.C. Up 18-3 on Hamilton, halfway through the fourth quarter. BC poised to go 2-0. Calgary and Winnipeg later on tonight in the CFL. The Blue Jays lost 2-1 in 19 innings to Cleveland. The Indians have won 14 in a row. Euro 
quarterfinal, Wales over Belgium 2-1. Wales will play Portugal in the semis. What do we have this weekend? Italy, Germany tomorrow, and then uh, Iceland and France on Sunday. That's going to be an interesting one. The Iceland classic matchup. Man, Iceland, what a story they've been. Good for them. Good for them. As little as I know about Icelandic soccer, all, all I know, I, I, I only know enough to say good for them. Yeah. Milan Lucic is an Edmonton Oiler. Terry's on the line. Hello, Terry. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Doing great. I love the trade. I love the whole deal. You love everything about Shirelli, eh? Well, yeah, you know what? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I heard Lucic talk, and what he said was, I'm a left winger. And it's my job to support my center and get him the puck. That's a totally different attitude than Taylor Hall had. And it's a good attitude, and we're going to be far better off this year. Well, That's all I have to say. Okay. And yeah. guess what? I, I'm not a Taylor Hall hater. He was, uh, he was a great skater, good shooter, good goal scorer. But I think we ended up better now than we were before. Well, that's what Shirelli's banking on. Thanks for calling, Terry. Appreciate it. Well, especially if Lucic's center is uh, Connor McDavid. Won't be a bad idea to get him the puck. Steve is on the line as well. Hello, Steve. Hey, Reed. Hey. Thought-provoking show. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just want to give a couple of points where we can do some tangible measurement of Larson's effectiveness next year, and I think, um, you know, that's ultimately going to tell the tale in the numbers. Number one, I think Larson is going to keep a lot more pucks out of the net. And, I mean, it's a it's a stat that's difficult to track, but um, I think that's one of the ways we're going to know if, uh, if, we're, uh, if we're going to move forward. The other area that we can actually measure his, uh, his efficiencies is uh, in the number of shutouts at Talbot Musters. With, uh, with the improved defense and hopefully improved left wing, um, improved size, the numbers are going to show, you know, what uh, what's what. I mean, all this emotion, you know what? I mean, honestly, let's let's face it. Hey, after a while, it just gets very repetitious and doesn't really lead anywhere good. So I'm just going to say, look, measure Larson's numbers. Um, if we can see a dramatic increase in shutouts, and um, and obviously we've got the plus minus to look at, then we can set aside the emotion and focus on. Uh, I'm I got to tell you, I've been an Oilers fan for nine years, and it's been brutal. Yeah, it's been bad. You know, so this year, I've got to tell you, um, the general manager, in spite of what you might think of him, he's doing his job. I mean, he's done more for this team in, in terms of at least giving us a different look of the team in one season than the previous, what, three managers combined? Well, That's he's not a bad thing. He's taken some risk. I'm going to leave you on the line here because I want to just respond to something. I mean, in terms of um, measuring Larson and measuring the defense, uh, now, of course, I, I, this is a, from a show I did a few weeks ago, but I believe the Oilers gave up 31.3 shots per game, I want to say, which is, which is more than last year. Okay. Yet they allowed fewer goals, and Talbot played most of the games. I think Talbot might have had an even better year than we think he did hmm. because he was just under fire some nights. I mean, he single-handedly won the game in Boston. He single-handedly won a game around Christmas time against the Winnipeg Jets. He he held them in a lot of other games. So, I mean, if you look at last year, goaltending might have been the biggest improvement. Yeah, and I think, uh, if I can just interject, um, this is an immeasurable thing, but Talbot's going to have some confidence now. When he looks up and he sees, oh, my gosh, I've actually got a, you know, I've got a working defenseman. This is fantastic. 
Well, I hope so. And, and Nurse and Clefbaum are going to have to improve as well. Maybe there's still another ad. We'll see. Clearly, Shirelli, I think he is done for now. He more or less said that today. It's a long weekend in the States. Uh, so I, I would expect the second, third, and fourth to be relatively quiet around the NHL. I mean, look, I, like I said, the Hall trade was tough. I, I can't sit here and say that that it's a, an amazing trade. But if Larson does do his job and continue to grow, you're right. The, the goals against should go down. Thanks for your time. Okay, Steve. Thanks for calling. Anytime. Uh, Douglas is on the line as well. Hey, Douglas. How are you doing? Doing great. Great. Uh, I'd just like to say that I, I killed my car and battery without camping. Just listening to you guys when the Taylor Hall train had the radio on and windows open, and I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it might happen. Uh, I think Charlie's the smartest guy in the world, and I don't know if there was something in the dressing room or some chemistry. Maybe if that's the reason that he was the guy to go, I think it's a pretty good trade anyway. Especially since we had uh, Lucic in hand. Well, Shirelli wasn't totally sure he was going to get Lucic. He did say, I would have made that Hall trade either way, though I think he probably knew he was in the final two for, for uh-huh. Lucic, so he probably thought he had a pretty good chance. Douglas, you, you cut out there uh, a little bit. I get, you, you sound like you, you've, you, I, you okay, heard him say you were just, camping. I'm just, I'm just in the garage here, yeah. Or are you back but home I, now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I figured that... Uh, yeah, I mean, I loved what Lucci said in his speech today about uh, family and how you got to be family to be a team. Cause any team that I was in that did anything, yeah. we were tight and we finished our checks, and that's how that's how we won. Yeah, we weren't all the best, but uh, as a team, we were like family. We were so I don't yeah. know what was going on in the dressing room, if there was. Maybe that's why the trade went down. And if so, well, really, we'll know. I mean, he's a great uh, personality guy, so. Douglas, that's, thank- how you, that's how you know a lot of people are upset, but they don't know what's going on in the dressing room. Douglas, thanks all for calling. We appreciate it. Sorry, that was a, a bit of a bad connection, but I think we got Douglas's point across. I mean, Peter Shirelli said there were no off-ice issues with, with Taylor Hall. Um, I, one way to look at it is Peter Shirelli, and I think a lot of you thought, the the mix has to change. I, I, here's the thing: I don't think I, I think a lot of you understand that maybe Taylor Hall was going to be traded. I think the people that are angry thought the Oilers should have got more for him. But Peter Shirelli's looking at this and saying, "Okay, I I believe that individually Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Everly, or whoever are all good hockey players, but they're not all working on the same team. So he he needed to change change up the vibe a little bit, and he's certainly done that. Now we see what happens on the ice. Troy's on the line. Hey, Troy." How's it going tonight? I'm doing great. Excellent. Two quick points. Number one, uh, the signing of Lucic is a good signing. However, the term is ridiculous, and I understand the whole free agent thing. But talk to me in four years when Lucic can't skate because he's a a good NHL skater at this moment in time, but it will pass him by soon and faster than everyone thinks. And that signing is going to look horrible in four years. Well, but who, also, but who knows what happens in the next four years, right? I, I, I totally understand your concern, but I also think that wasn't a reason to walk away from it because Shirelli wants to put guys around McDavid now. Right, and I understand that. However, Shirelli also lost a job in Boston because he didn't have the foresight to put a team together for the future, only for the right now. And that's not the way you sustain a good team. He was there 10 years, man. That's a long time. Or nine years, I guess. That's a long time to be a GM in one spot. Yeah. 
But the other quick point is that the problem with the Taylor Hall trade is, is an absolute microcosm of what's wrong with hockey and entertaining hockey, where everyone is that's saying the trade was okay is saying, okay, it's going to stop goals. We're going to stop goals. We're not going to entertain people. We're just going to stop well, uh, okay, yes, that's uh, you're right. Hockey is criticized off for not being offensive enough. Correct. Exactly. But in terms of They're trading it away for defense, it's been desperately needed. Absolutely, desperately needed. But it's going to be a, a way, way more watered down brand of hockey for for the fans in Edmonton to watch. Well, maybe, maybe, but but remember this, Troy. I, I will say this, and, and I, I did this at the end of the or at some point in the season. I did this since Taylor Hall joined the Oilers. The highest they finished in the league in goals for is 18th. So even though Taylor Hall produces points, they have never been a high-scoring team. In fact, they they were in the bottom 10 every other year besides the year they were 18th. Now, because exactly. and, and by I, trading away your top scorer, you just you just actually made my argument for me because now they're going to even struggle more to score. Possibly. There's no way signing Lucci to replace the points that Taylor Hall got. No, you're right. I mean, they're bank they're banking on having the puck more and 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 being more physical and being being able to grind teams down. And and that's that's a good that's a good philosophy and and it may or may not work. I guess the the, the kind of funny thing is that Shirelli's still building that way. And you can't always just model after other teams, but but uh, Pittsburgh just won this year, and they didn't have a very big and bruising team either, right? So no, you're right. You know, hopefully, the mix works out for him, and he catches the lightning in the bottle. But Pittsburgh, I still think had a well-rounded team, and and they had some depth guys that 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 stepped up in the playoffs. Absolutely, there's no way around that. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Thanks for calling, Troy. You're cutting out a bit there, but uh, that's cool. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. we got to take a break. 25-3, BC up on Hamilton late in the fourth quarter. Daryl Evans, LA Kings broadcaster and former player, will join us. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Is this by request as well? This is by request, yep. Doug and the Slugs, are they still an active band? I don't think so. There we go. Happy Canada Day. Are they saying the fireworks may not be able to go tonight? The big ones in the River Valley? Weather dependent, which makes sense. If the wind goes above 30K... They won't be able to launch them because obviously they'd be launching fireworks all over the the place and which is not have safe. no control right. where they're going, right? So yeah, well, pretty good weather uh, most of the day. Hopefully it'll it'll hold out. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Sa- safety first, everybody. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. Daryl Evans covers the Los Angeles Kings. He used to play for them. He joins us now on Inside Sports. Daryl, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How's everything treating you there? Well, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's been an interesting few days for the Edmonton Oilers, as, as I'm sure you you can imagine. And uh, and they make a splash today with Milan Lucic, who uh, decides not to uh, re-sign with the Los Angeles Kings. He obviously became a free agent. Uh, several teams looking at him. So, Daryl, tell me a little bit about his his one season uh, with the LA Kings. I mean, I thought his point total was uh, was pretty respectable. He, he only missed uh, he only missed one game. What did you see from him? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, exactly what you're saying there. I think everybody uh, in Los Angeles, fan-wise, management-wise, team-wise, I think everybody was very pleased the way that uh, Milan performed through the course of the year. He was a good teammate. Uh, His production on the ice was good. Uh, Me, myself, I was... I was pleasantly surprised at the pace that he was able to keep. I had, I, I you know, I, I you know, obviously watched him over the years, but I didn't realize that he could, he could skate as well as he did. And uh, I was, you know, again a pleasant surprise way he was able to keep up with the likes of Kopitar's and Carter's on their lines. And he, he's a, he was a good, uh, again, a good, uh, a good fit on this team. Worked the corners well, good hands. Not only to be able to ability to be able to go to the net, but he also had the ability to be able to make plays as well. So. Uh, I think it's a great addition to the you know to the Edmonton Oilers hockey team, a young hockey team with you know they had a veteran player with some size, uh, definitely a lot of grit to his game, and he should be a great fit there. Well, I'm glad you brought up the pace of his game because that's going to be one question mark, especially if he winds up on a line with uh, with Connor McDavid. Now, I, let's be fair here; there aren't many players in the league who are as fast as Connor. Yeah. Connor McDavid, but when you say he plays with pace, let me let me ask it to you this way: pace doesn't necessarily equal skating fast. I assume there are other ways to play with pace, aren't there? Yeah, there is. You know, I think um, one you know one thing is you know the ability to be able to understand the game that allows you to kind of play with the pace. But uh, straight away, he, he's actually got some pretty good foot speed as well. So it's a combination of both. Uh, you know, I think you know throughout his career, Milan's had to luxury of playing with high-end players, you know, when he was in Boston, then when he was in Los Angeles for the year. So, you know, Connor McDavid, uh, you know, he's a great young talent. He does play the game with quite a pace. And, you know, it'll be a little bit of an adjustment initially. uh, But I think that's something that he'll be able to adapt to. And, you know, probably, you know, as you you look at it as well, he'll probably, you know, uh, if he is playing with Connor McDavid, you know, bring him, uh, you know, to an area where maybe a little bit more in control, you know, uh, and, and kind of play, kind of play the pace of the National Hockey League, and then when the opportunities arise, they know uh, he knows, and he'll know that he's got that, you know, that extra gear to be able to take it. You know, whether it's a breakaway challenge, a guy one on one, but uh, I think he'll uh, he'll learn to really play the game from the team aspect uh, with a guy like Milan, just because of Milan's patience, positioning, uh, being a support player. You know, defensive zone along the boards. You know, offensive zone. Uh, making himself available now, so uh, it should be it should be uh, some good chemistry uh, with the skill set that both players bring to the table. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that would be probably the first uh, first place that uh, you know the Edmonton Oilers uh, would would look to play Milan, uh, and uh, you know, and there's no reason that that uh, that chemistry should not come along. Daryl Evans, LA Kings broadcaster, joining us tonight. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. You played in the NHL, and you've been in the broadcast booth for a long time as well. A lot of people call Milan a unique player because of that combination of some meanness, some size, and the ability to produce points. Is there anybody else like him in the NHL right now or a player for maybe your era that he kind of compares to? You know, he's, he's, he is a rare player, you know, uh, you know because of all those things. Uh, you know, not too often that you can, you know, you can play a guy with his physical presence on the ice um, and, you know, and he's probably a, a little bit removed from the generation when there was as much physical activity from the standpoint. I don't mean physical. I mean more fighting than that. Uh, you know, I think Milan, uh, you know, he's definitely a heavyweight, you know, in, in the league. There's not nearly as much fighting as they used to be. But, um, you know, back in, the, back in that time, there was a lot of guys that got involved, you know, in the fisticuffs and, and, and put up some pretty respectable numbers. So, 
um, it, it's a, there's a, there are a lot a lot of bodies over and in, in every different uh, era and generation uh, you know present those type of players. But uh, Milan in today's game is you know he he's amongst the elite. I think uh, in that category, uh, there's not a lot of players left in the game like him that has that you know that physical presence. Um, you know he's got the ability to you know, to stick up for his teammates. And I also think he, he's got a good understanding as to when he has to do that. So, he, you know, he's a mature player. And, um, you know, I, it, it's a really nice uh, package of, uh, of skills that, he, that he's able to provide. And I think it's something that will really help a, a young Edmonton team. All right. And before I let you go, I mean, we, we should touch on an L.A. team that uh, I think is still a contending team, even though I know they were out in the first round this year and, and just barely missed the playoffs uh, the year before, a bit of an Oilers connection. Teddy Purcell goes back to L.A. today. Just maybe uh, some thoughts on uh, some free agents today. I know Tom Gilbert, another ex-Oiler, winds up in L.A. Uh, goaltender Jeff uh, Zatkoff. I don't know if there was a, a big splash there for the for the Kings today. Um, maybe maybe the captaincy situation and, and the, the Dustin Brown saga is uh, what's going to define this team's offseason. How do you look at all that? Well, you know, I think, you know, with Kopitar, you know, signing the deal as he did last year and, you know, the stage of the career of his career that he's at, uh, you know, I think Kings feel that he really has to step to the forefront and be that guy. Uh, Dustin Brown's been a great captain, you know, for the franchise, the only captain in franchise history to hoist the Stanley Cup, and he was able to do it twice. So uh, I don't think he can say enough good things or great things about, you know, the way Dustin Brown conducted himself as a leader of this hockey club, both on and off the ice in the community. And, uh, you know, from Kopitar's standpoint, uh, he, he got to see this firsthand. He and Dustin played a lot together, you know, in, in, the, in earlier years. And, uh, you know, so it's, and now it's his turn to, you know, to kind of provide that, that presence both on and off the ice. Um, you know, he, he definitely does it, uh, uh, you know, by performance, the way he's performed and, you know, uh, capturing a couple of the, uh, the awards this year. So his game has gone to that level. And now, uh, you know, I think, you know, the management team feels that, now he's got to start, you know, being able to pull on his teammates and and making them better and, and getting the best out of them. So they're, uh, you know, that the, the change was made, and uh, you know, I think Dustin Brown will be a real strong, supportive player for for Andre Kopitar, and I think Andre will look for look for that in Dustin to be able to get that type of support, knowing that uh, you know you have that guy that you know so well and. Uh, you know, you kind of lean on him a little bit. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a new phase. Uh, it's another chapter in the in, in the Kings uh, Kings history book. You know, you bring a new captain to the table, and I think it's, uh, you know, it just it kind of gives you a, a look at, you know, what's ahead for the Kings. And you know, there's no doubt again with the commitment of the contract that was made to Andre Kopitar that he is the player that they are they are building around and uh, for the next number of years. And he's he's going to be there. So now it's going to be his responsibility to provide that. Uh, you know, prominent leadership uh, both on and off the ice and, and lead this team back to the promised land and hopefully hoist another Stanley Cup. Daryl, it's a fun time of year. Everybody has hope and everybody's undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. I'm still sitting by the phone waiting for my name to get called. I'll take one of those minimum, minimum deals. Yeah, no kidding. Daryl, thanks so much for joining us on Chad. Really appreciate it because I know you got a lot going on there in Los Angeles today. I guess I will see you looking ahead here December 29th when the Kings make their first visit to Rogers Place. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming to Edmonton, checking out that new building, and uh, Again, like you say, it's always an exciting day, and it's interesting. You know, you look at all the changes on paper and that. A lot of it's, you know, very exciting. But uh, until you see it, the way it all pulls together, uh, the way those players are able to fit in with their new teammates and that, 
only time will tell. So uh, that'll be the tale when we come October, and we'll see, you know, which teams uh, feel that uh, they got they got the best of the deals and uh, the way they're able to perform and where it takes each team into next June. Right on, Daryl. Thanks a lot for joining us. Kings analyst Daryl Evans. In the next hour, one-on-one interviews with Milan Lucic and Peter Shirelli. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.